Guidelines in Practice, Surgical Attire, by Terry Link. Abstract. Surgical attire provides a barrier to microorganisms shed from healthcare workers' skin and hair to help protect patients and promote a clean environment. The AORN, Guideline for Surgical Attire, includes recommendations for selecting, wearing, and cleaning surgical attire that are based on the highest quality evidence available. Recommendations are rated as regulatory requirement, recommendation, conditional recommendation, or no recommendation, according to the level of evidence, an assessment of the benefits versus harms of implementing specific interventions, and consideration of resources required to implement the interventions. This article discusses guideline recommendations related to laundering surgical attire, wearing long-sleeved attire, and wearing head coverings. A scenario provides an example in which an interdisciplinary facility team uses a gap analysis and a risk assessment to prioritize process changes for implementing the guideline. Perioperative personnel should review the entire guideline for additional information and for guidance when creating and updating policies and procedures. Perioperative personnel wear surgical attire in the semi-restricted and restricted areas of the surgical suite to help provide a clean and hygienic environment for patients. Surgical attire also may prevent microorganisms on healthcare workers' skin and hair from being dispersed into the air and settling on surfaces that could include a patient's surgical incision. A recent high-quality study found that covering skin in a perioperative setting decreased particle and microbial contamination, which could contribute to decreased surgical side infection, SSI, rates. Bundling interventions based on best practice for SSI prevention is a strategy for lowering SSI rates. Though it is not a common component of an SSI bundle, surgical attire may be considered as a preventative intervention, along with surgical skin antisepsis, antibiotic administration, appropriate hair removal at the surgical site, and nasal decolonation. Individually, these interventions may not be proven to lower SSI rates, but as a bundled intervention, they have shown success. The revised AORN, Guideline for Surgical Attire, published in July 2019, provides recommendations based on the guideline project team's appraisal of the evidence available in the healthcare literature. The project team rated each recommendation using the evidence appraisal score, that is, the strength and quality of the evidence a benefit-harm assessment, and consideration of resource use. The AORN evidence model includes the following four recommendation levels. 1. Regulatory requirement. Perioperative team members must implement the recommendation in accordance with regulatory requirements. 2. Recommendation. Perioperative team members should implement the recommendation unless a clear and compelling rationale for an alternative approach is present. 3. Conditional recommendation. Perioperative team members may implement the recommendation. The degree of implementation may vary depending on the benefit-harm assessment for the specific setting. And 4. No recommendation. Perioperative team members will need to evaluate whether or not to implement the practice issue. Figure 1 shows the criteria for each recommendation level.
The evidence table for this guideline, available on the AORN website at https colon double slash aorn.org slash guidelines slash about dash aorn dash guidelines slash evidence dash tables. Once again, https colon double slash aorn.org slash guidelines slash about dash aorn dash guidelines slash evidence dash tables provides more detailed information from the literature the project team used to develop the guideline. This article provides guidance readers can use to identify gaps in their practice related to surgical attire, evaluate risks associated with those gaps, and implement recommendations using examples from the AORN Guideline for Surgical Attire. Not all the guideline topics or recommendations within those topics are discussed in this article. The topics and recommendations included were selected based on the timelines of information and revisions made since the last iteration of this guideline was published in November 2014. The full list of topics addressed in the guideline is included in Sidebar 1. This article discusses some of the recommendations included in the sections on laundering, long sleeves, and head coverings. See Sidebar 2. Perioperative personnel should review the entire guideline for additional information and for guidance when creating and updating policies and procedures. The guideline recommendations are broad statements to be used to guide the development of policies, procedures, and criteria for measuring individual competency in a variety of practice settings. Guideline implementation may vary depending on the practice setting. For example, community hospital, academic medical center, ambulatory surgery center, ASC. This does not mean practices should be different. For example, surgical counts, skin antisepsis, or sterile technique. But that the facility leaders and personnel may implement and prioritize specific recommendations differently. Perioperative personnel may need to adapt guideline recommendations to best fit their practice settings. Performing a gap analysis and risk assessment can help facility personnel determine where to concentrate when implementing the recommendations from a revised guideline. In addition, critical thinking and common sense are always part of the implementation process. A scenario that includes performing a gap analysis and risk assessment is provided after the discussion of specific guideline recommendations. Recommendations for laundering Evidence indicates that scrub attire becomes contaminated with bacteria during the workday and may be a vector for transmission of potentially pathogenic microorganisms to personnel, patients, and the environment. Personnel cannot determine the level of contamination on clothing by visual examination unless there is gross contamination from blood and other body fluids. The guideline recommendations for laundering surgical attire include all four recommendation levels. Regulatory Requirement Healthcare providers, patients, family members, and even members of the public could be at risk for exposure to blood, body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials on surgical attire. Thus, several of the recommendations related to laundering surgical attire are regulatory requirements, meaning that a regulatory body requires these actions 
and healthcare organizations must implement them. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration has regulatory requirements related to contaminated surgical attire. To protect personnel from potential exposure to pathogens, personnel must remove scrub attire that has been penetrated by blood, body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials immediately or as soon as possible and replace it with clean attire. Visibly contaminated scrub attire and personal clothing contaminated with blood, body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials must remain at the healthcare facility for laundering. Recommendation AORN recommends that personnel remove surgical attire before leaving the healthcare facility to reduce the potential for transporting pathogenic organisms from the facility into the home or community. AORN also continues to recommend that all reusable surgical attire be laundered at a healthcare-accredited laundry facility or in the healthcare organization to help ensure that effective laundering standards are met. Varying levels of evidence, that is, low, moderate, high, support this recommendation. In addition, the benefits of prohibiting home laundering of surgical attire exceed any potential harms. High temperatures, for example, greater than or equal to 140 degrees Fahrenheit, 60 degrees Celsius, are required to kill many pathogenic organisms, and these temperatures may be difficult to obtain in home washing machines. Home hot water heaters are designed to control water temperature to prevent scalding injuries. When personnel do not use effective home washing machine laundering parameters, Contaminated surgical attire can contaminate other laundry and vice versa. Biofilm may form in home washing machines and then be transferred to surgical attire during the laundering process. Surgical attire laundered at home also could become contaminated while being transferred from the home to the surgery setting. No Recommendation AORN makes no recommendation regarding wearing personal clothing under scrub attire because there is no evidence of either benefits or harms related to this practice. Decisions related to wearing personal clothing under scrub attire are the province of the facility. Conditional Recommendation A facility team may determine whether wearing personal clothing under scrub attire is permitted, and if so, the type of fabrics that can be worn, the amount of fabric that can extend outside the scrub attire, and the laundering frequency and method. For example, facility laundering, home laundering. The use of the word may indicates that a facility team determines whether and how to implement a policy on specific practices. For example, if healthcare workers wear jackets made of a linting fabric, or long-sleeved turtlenecks that could become contaminated when a mask is removed, the facility team may decide that personal jackets and turtlenecks are not allowed and require that personnel wear scrub jackets that are laundered by the healthcare facility. As noted earlier, contaminated personal clothing must remain at the facility, and this also might influence the facility's policy. Recommendations for wearing long sleeves there are no regulatory requirements related to wearing long-sleeved attire in the restricted and semi-restricted areas of the facility. Because of lack of evidence related to benefits of wearing long-sleeved surgical attire, 
AORN only makes one conditional recommendation in this area. Conditional recommendation. Perioperative personnel may cover their arms during the performance of preoperative patient skin antisepsis. The benefits of wearing attire that covers the arms during preoperative patient skin antisepsis are likely to exceed potential harms. Additional research is needed to determine any relationship between the wearing of long sleeves and SSI occurrence. A facility team may determine whether to implement this practice. Although there is no evidence linking bare arms during skin antisepsis to SSI, there is evidence that squames shed from the skin are aerosolized and settle on surfaces. Wearing long sleeves for high-risk tasks, for example, surgical skin antisepsis, may prevent contamination from skin squames. A potential harm is that a staff member could inadvertently contaminate a prepped surgical site with the sleeve material. When determining the policy, the team might consider purchasing and using long-sleeved scrub shirts, close-fitting jackets, or sterile sleeves. When deciding whether disposable or reusable shirts and jackets should be used, a facility team should consider applicable differences in cost and waste, as well as the SSI rate at their facility. No Recommendation AORN makes no recommendation regarding wearing long sleeves in the semi-restricted and restricted areas, other than during the performance of preoperative patient skin antisepsis, because no studies have evaluated the wearing of long sleeves for other activities in these areas. Additional research is needed to confirm the risks and benefits of this practice and the potential effect on SSI outcomes. Surgical personnel often wear long-sleeve jackets because of low ambient temperatures in the OR. Personnel should wear a clean jacket each day because as the outer garment, it is most likely to be contaminated. When creating policies about wearing long-sleeved jackets in the OR, a facility team may investigate the options of facility-provided long-sleeve scrub tops, an adequate inventory of jackets, or even single-use jackets. The team may consider personnel comfort, the effect of disposable items on the waste stream, and possible effects of personnel wearing their own jackets. For example, the possibility of airborne particulate contamination if the fabric produces lint. Recommendations for head covering Perioperative personnel wear head coverings to contain hair and bacteria and help prevent contamination of the sterile field. However, no research has shown that covering the hair can lower the incidence of SSIs. AORN's recommendations for head coverings include all four recommendation levels. Regulatory Requirement The regulatory requirement for contaminated attire also applies to head coverings. When personnel participate in procedures that either contaminate or may contaminate reusable head coverings, with blood, body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials, the head coverings must remain at the healthcare facility for laundering. Cloth hats are rarely contaminated with blood or other body fluids in an ASC, in which ophthalmology or laparoscopic procedures are performed, but hats are likely to become contaminated in a trauma OR, endoscopy OR, or during procedures that require patients in the lithotomy position with a surgical team in close proximity to splashing and spraying fluids. Recommendation 
AORN recommends that personnel cover the scalp and hair when entering the semi-restricted and restricted areas, and cover a beard when entering the restricted areas, and when prepping and packaging items in the Clean Assembly section of the Sterile Processing Department, SPD. Moderate quality evidence shows that hair can harbor bacteria. Therefore, covering the scalp and hair has potential benefits and few, if any, harms. No Recommendation AORN makes no recommendation about the type of head covers to be worn in the semi-restricted and restricted areas. There is no evidence that indicates that the type of head covering or extent of hair covered is associated with SSIs. Conditional Recommendation An interdisciplinary team that includes members of the surgical team and infection preventionists may determine the type of head coverings that will be worn at the healthcare organization. As with other types of surgical attire, team members should consider several factors. Some bouffant hats can be porous and ill-fitting, and skull caps may not cover sideburns, hair at the nape of the neck, or long hair. In many circumstances, a cloth hat may provide more coverage than a disposable hat, but laundering by the healthcare facility may be challenging if personnel are providing their own reusable head coverings. Options include requiring laundering at the facility, issuing parameters for home laundering that include the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommendations, or providing cloth hats at the facility as part of surgical scrub attire. The team members also may consider the probability of contamination and the regulatory requirement that contaminated attire must remain at the facility. It is a conditional recommendation that the facility team may establish and implement a policy for managing reusable head coverings, including the type of fabrics that can be worn, laundering frequency, and laundering method. For example, facility laundering, home laundering. Beards can be difficult to cover, and it might be necessary to provide several beard covering options for personnel. Conducting a Gap Analysis and Risk Assessment A gap analysis and risk assessment are objective tools to aid decision-making and help standardize the process of guideline implementation. Interdisciplinary team members can use a gap analysis to identify the areas in which guideline recommendations are not in place and a risk assessment to prioritize the actions to address those gaps. The team members also should analyze the cost of implementing recommendations including costs that could be incurred if guideline recommendations are not implemented. For example, the cost of treating SSIs. When completing a gap analysis and risk assessment, the team members should consider the types of procedures performed at the facility. The level of contamination is different in an ophthalmology center compared with an endoscopy center or a large inpatient perioperative department in which trauma procedures are performed. Laundering surgical attire at the facility or contracting with a laundering service may not be feasible options in all facilities, such as an ASC, an office-based surgery practice, or a small rural OR suite. An endoscopy center in which no surgical skin preps are performed may not need a surgical attire policy on wearing long sleeves. Conversely, not covering hair may put the patient or personnel at risk during endoscopy procedures. When interdisciplinary teams perform a gap analysis and a risk assessment, 
determine facility priorities, and develop policies and procedures accordingly, they can facilitate effective resource use. As with any changes in practice, perioperative teams should monitor outcomes and evaluate the efficacy of interventions. Surgical attire can be a subset of the infection prevention risk assessment and a component of the organization's quality improvement program. Scenario An interdisciplinary team at a large academic medical center meets to determine gaps in their surgical attire policy and priorities for implementing the revised AORN Guideline for Surgical Attire. The team is composed of surgeons, surgical personnel, anesthesia professionals, SPD personnel, and personnel from interventional radiology, the endoscopy laboratory, and the freestanding ASC owned by the hospital and located across the street from the main facility. The facility has contracted laundry service. The ASC personnel launder their own cloth hats at home and bring them into the ASC. All other attire is laundered by the laundry service. Environmental services personnel transport surgical attire in closed carts from a transport vehicle that is cleaned after each transport of clean or soiled laundry. The facility has a dispensing machine that distributes a limited number of surgical scrubs. Personnel often wear surgical attire in outside seating areas and between buildings. In some instances, industry representatives wear surgical attire when they travel between facilities. Facility policy requires personnel to wear facility-provided long-sleeved jackets during preoperative patient skin antisepsis. The jackets have loose-fitting sleeves, and personnel report that it is difficult to perform surgical skin antisepsis without contaminating the prep kit or surgical site with the sleeve material. Personnel also complain of a lack of clean jackets for each day's use, and some store jackets in their lockers for reuse. However, perioperative leaders have not allocated funds to provide more long-sleeved jackets. Two types of head coverings are provided, a disposable bouffant cap and a disposable skull cap. A facility-provided beard cover contains most facial hair, but it is thin and tears easily when contaminated, does not provide a liquid barrier. Sterile processing personnel with beards do not wear beard covers on the clean side of the SPD. Gap Analysis and Risk Assessment Scoring To determine compliance and prioritize implementation measures, the interdisciplinary team uses a gap analysis to address each recommendation in the guideline methodically. The team determines there are practice gaps for three of the recommendations. Laundering, that is, wearing clean attire each day and removing surgical attire before leaving the facility. Long sleeves, that is, loose sleeves potentially contaminating the patient's skin antisepsis. And head coverings, that is, inadequate beard covers and personnel in the SPD not covering beard hair. Figure 2 shows the relevant portions of the team's gap analysis. Using the information from the gap analysis, the team performs a risk assessment to identify the order of priority for policy changes and implementation. Each of the practice gaps is scored in three categories. 1. The impact of a risk event. 2. The probability of a risk event. And 3. Preparedness of the facility to address a practice gap. 
See Figure 3. The highest total score indicates the highest priority for policy changes and implementation. The first category is the impact of a risk event. When scoring this category, the team considers the possibility of patient or personnel harm, for example, infection risk, the financial impact, the possible legal implications, and the consequences of regulatory noncompliance should an event occur. In this category, the team should consider the level of recommendation a regulatory requirement receives the highest score because it must be followed or the facility could be cited for a deficiency. The second category is the probability, that is likelihood, that a risk event will occur. To evaluate this category, the team may refer to historical data, infection surveillance data, the type of environment, and the type of services that are provided at a facility, for example, endoscopy trauma. If most of the guideline recommendations are in place, the team will likely score this category low, that is one. However, they could score a partial adherence to guideline recommendations as a two or three, depending on the degree of adherence and the severity of possible consequences. Thus, teams may need to consider the impact score when scoring the probability. For example, noncompliance with removing surgical attire when leaving a facility may not be scored as high as noncompliance with removing attire that is visibly soiled and contaminated. The last category is preparedness or tolerance for change, which indicates how prepared the facility is to address the practice gap successfully. As with any change in practice, support and resources are needed for success. Surgeon support finances to implement the recommendations, and administrative leaders that support guideline implementation should improve the preparedness score. A low, that is good, score indicates the facility is prepared to be successful. A higher score may result if the team believes personnel and surgeons will not support or comply with a change. A risk assessment aids the team in developing interventions for guideline implementation. For example, if there is a poor rating for preparedness because of lack of physician support, an intervention could include identifying those persons who will be early adopters and champions for the guideline and can influence personnel who do not support the practice. When determining the preparedness score, teams also should consider policies and procedures that need to be developed and the availability of services and equipment. The Facilities Risk Assessment the team members at this facility identify laundering, for example, wearing clean attire, as the first risk area from the gap analysis. Although personnel wear clean attire for each shift, they do not always remove attire before leaving the facility. Because wearing contaminated clothing places personnel and patients at risk, and there is a regulatory requirement to remove contaminated clothing, the team determines that if a risk event occurs, the impact would be high, that is 3. The team determines that the likelihood of a risk event occurrence, for example, an infection, is low, that is 1. The preparedness score is good, that is 1, because the facility leaders contract with a laundry service that provides clean surgical attire for personnel. The total score is 5. The second risk area from the gap analysis 
is wearing of long sleeves during preoperative patient skin antisepsis. Although there is no regulatory requirement, team members are concerned that loose sleeve material could contaminate the patient's prepped skin, which could introduce an opportunity for SSI. Therefore, the team determines the impact of a risk event to be high, that is 3, and the probability of this risk occurring is medium, that is 2. Preparedness for wearing clean long-sleeved jackets during surgical antisepsis is fair, that is 2. There is a policy in place for wearing long sleeves during skin prep, but long-sleeved jackets are reused and not always freshly laundered. The total score is 7. The third risk area is head covering, specifically the covering of beards. The team considers the risk of microorganism dispersal from beards into surgical instrument trays and equipment during processing on the clean side of the SPD and scores the impact as high. That is 3. The team also scores the probability of a risk event occurring as high. That is 3. Because beards are not covered on the clean side of the SPD, and the available beard covers tear easily and are not fluid-resistant. The team scores preparedness as poor, that is 3, because there is no policy in place for covering beards in the SPD, and there are limited choices in disposable beard covers to accommodate the coverage needed. The total score for this potential risk category is 9. Because this total score is the highest, implementing practices related to beard covering will be the team's first priority. The team assigns a task force to evaluate and select disposable beard coverings that provide adequate coverage. This task force is composed of stakeholders, including personnel with beards who work in the perioperative environment and SPD. The team believes that if stakeholders are involved in the beard cover selection, implementation will be easier and compliance will be higher. The team creates a policy that beards will be covered in restricted areas and on the clean side of the SPD. Perioperative leaders assign a task force to evaluate long-sleeved jackets that fit snugly. The task force includes materials management personnel, who will evaluate the cost of purchasing the new long-sleeved jackets. Personnel will receive additional education on removing attire before leaving the facility. The team updates the policy and procedures for surgical attire and works with educators to provide personnel with educational information on the revised policies and on removing attire before leaving the facility. The educators develop competencies, verification tools, and audit tools for compliance. The team designates this implementation project as a quality improvement project using compliance and SSI surveillance data as outcome measures. Conclusion AORN has developed tools that can help facility teams implement guidelines. Implementing the surgical attire guideline can be challenging, and attire policies may differ from facility to facility. Facility teams can perform a gap analysis and risk assessment to identify compliance with regulatory requirements, adherence to recommendations and conditional recommendations, and benefits versus harms of practices for which there is currently no recommendation. Although there is little evidence connecting selection of surgical attire to SSI, poor practices may put patients at risk for negative outcomes. Adherence to surgical attire guidelines is a component that can be used in an SSI prevention bundle in any facility.
performing a gap analysis and risk assessment, combined with a review of the revised surgical attire guideline, can assist facility teams with revising and implementing their attire policies to protect patients and personnel.